You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now let's examine the relationship very briefly between the Prophet and the Jewish community in Medina. A number of them upon seeing the knowledge that he had, they did become Muslim. One of them was Abdullah ibn Salam. He comes from the tribe of Bani Qaynaqa, one of the main Jewish tribes. He claimed that he was one of the descendants of Prophet Yusuf so he comes from that lineage of Bani Israel. His title was Abu Yusuf, Abdullah ibn Salam, he's famously known as Ibn Salam. Ibn Salam was a rabbi, he was a Jewish scholar, he lived in the holy city of Medina. When the Prophet came to Medina, Ibn Salam came to the Prophet and he wanted to test the Prophet. Let me test him, is this guy really a Prophet or no? So he asks him some very tough questions. Now he had some of those answers in the Torah and that was an indication that the one who knew the answers would be a prophet and some of them he did not know, he wanted to see if the prophet was really a prophet. Now interestingly, we find that he comes to the prophet, he asks him a number of questions, the prophet answers them. Now if you're interested, you can go and read the biography of the prophet and see the very conversation that was carried out between the Prophet Ibn Salam. When the Prophet gives him the answers, he was shocked, how does he know them? So he asks the Prophet, he tells him, Oh Muhammad, who's giving you these answers? Because every Prophet has an angel who communicates to him from God. What is the name of that angel who's communicating all this to you? The Prophet tells him, Jibra'il. Jibra'il is the one who informed me and he gave me the answer to your questions. Ibn Salam, you know what he says? He says, Jibra'il is the enemy of the Jewish people. Historically, the Jewish people, after Nabuchat Nasr came to Palestine and destroyed their temple and killed so many of them, it was their belief that Jibra'il is the one who led him to victory and got rid of them and destroyed them. So historically they hated Jibra'il and they considered him the one who punished the Jewish people. To the contrary, they love Mikail. They believe that Mikail is the great angel of God who protected Israel. He's the protector of the Jewish people and the protector of Israel. And they actually, some of them do Shafa'ah. They asked Mikail to help them and save them. So they considered Jibra'il to be their enemy. So he tells the Prophet he tells him, oh Jibra'il, he's our enemy. Now the Prophet in another hadith, he tells them what kind of silly mentality is that? If you recognize that Jibra'il is an angel who's acting on behalf of God, what difference does it make if Jibra'il or Mikail is carrying the command of God? In the end, both Jibra'il and Mikail are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that shows that you Jews have a problem with God. 
<laughs> not with Jibreel because Jibreel doesn't do anything out of his own uh, will it's all by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but you know they had they wanted an excuse so a lot of the Jews you know what they told the Prophet they told him look if that angel who's communicating with you was Mikail we would have followed you and become Muslims but because he's Jibreel no forget it he's our enemy and we don't want to join you and join your religion but Abdullah ibn Salam when he hears that knowledge from the Prophet, he knew this is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he privately goes to the Prophet and he tells him, Ya Rasulullah, what you say is exactly what I've read about in the Torah and you are the final messenger and I'm going to believe in you and he declares his shahada. He says, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu annaka Rasulullah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Then he has an idea, he tells him, Ya Rasulallah, I'm going to call my Jewish friends and scholars and rabbis, they're going to come here. And then before they discover that I became Muslim, before they found out that I converted, I want you to ask them about me, what's my status in this Jewish community? Then once they praise me, I'm going to come and declare my Islam. Nice, interesting way. The Prophet says, okay. So basically what happens is he goes and he calls the Jews of Medina. They're in the presence of the Prophet. The Prophet asks them, oh Jewish people here, what do you think of Abdullah ibn Salam, your brother? They said, oh Abdullah ibn Salam, he is a great person. He's the best of us, he's our master. He's our scholar, our master, the best one. The Prophet asks them, what will you do if he becomes Muslim? They say, impossible. They said, impossible, God forbid, he'd never become Muslim. He tells them, I'm just asking you, what would you do if, if he becomes Muslim? They say, impossible, God forbid, he'll never become Muslim. The Prophet asked them a third time, okay, but what will you do? Just theoretically speaking, if he becomes Muslim, what will you do? Now after they've witnessed, he's the best of them, he's the best scholar, and he's their master. But look at their stubbornness. They said, no, impossible, he'll never become Muslim. At that point, Abdullah ibn Salam stands, and he tells them, my dear Jewish friends, you and I both know that he has the signs of Nubuwa, of prophethood, and I declare in front of all of you that I have become a Muslim, and I bear witness that Muhammad is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi When they see that, they were shocked. What are they going to do now? You know what they said? when he invited them to become Muslim and that the Prophet has the truth, they said, كَذِبْتَ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ شَرُّنَا وَابْنُ شَرُّنَا وَجَاهِلُنَا وَابْنُ جَاهِلِنَا They told him, you are a liar, you're the worst of us, you're the most ignorant person. Just minutes ago, they witnessed that he's the best and the most pious and you know, he's their master. فَقَالَ ابْنُ السَّلَامِ Ibn Salam told him, Ya Rasulullah, I swear I knew they'd do this. 
they're my people, I know them and how they would react to your message. I knew they were going to give you a hard time. So Abdullah ibn Salam was one of those early Jewish scholars who embraced the religion of Islam. Now there's one important note here about Abdullah ibn Salam. Some of our scholars and researchers, they believe that Abdullah ibn Salam did embrace the religion of Islam, he did declare his Islam. However, the status that's given to Abdullah ibn Salam by other schools of thought and by the Kutub of Seerah has a lot of exaggeration. The way that they present him is that he was always with the Prophet, he was one of his best friends and there's a lot of exaggeration in that. The problem with Abdullah ibn Salam is that after the Prophet his stance was not so favorable towards the Ahlul Bayt peace be upon them. In fact, he went and he became friends with Bani Umayyad. So his start was a good start, like a lot of those companions, but then his ending was not the best of endings. He did not have a favorable stance towards Imam Ali And by the way, you will find some Sunni scholars stubbornly insisting that the verse, وَمَنْ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ الْكِتَابِ Say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the witness between us and the one who has the ilm of the kitab, the one who has the full knowledge of the book. Now it's very clear that this verse was revealed in honor of Ali ibn Abi Talib but to take the virtues away from Imam Ali, some of them have claimed this verse was revealed about Abdullah ibn Salam. He's the one who has the full knowledge of the book and Allah praises him in the Quran. So, some of our scholars and researchers upon critically analyzing the life of Ibn Salam, they believe there's a lot of exaggerations about him and his personality and the reason why other schools of thought have exaggerated about him so much and given him so much virtues and claimed that such a verse was revealed in his honor was because he stood against Ahlul Bayt. He didn't fight the Ahlul Bayt but he had a negative stance toward them, he did not support them and he befriended the Bani Umayyah. So that's an important note to note about Abdullah bin Salam. But initially, yes, he did declare his Islam and he was with the Prophet Our scholars also say a lot of the Israeliyat, the narrations that you find in Bukhari and others that are outrageous, uh, you know, Musa punching the angel of death, God has a foot, you know, all these crazy things that you find in some of these books, they were influenced by people like Abdullah ibn Salam and others who had Jewish roots, they became Muslim and then they started infiltrating Muslim society by carrying uh, those Jewish ideas from, from their books and Bibles. So we also find that someone like him, you know, did play a role in inserting these Israeliyat, these Jewish narrations into Muslim books and into Muslim history. Uh, yes, brother. Well, no, we saw what happened. When he became Muslim, they rejected him. Not even a single one of them became Muslim. Later, some of them would gradually become Muslim, but in that day, in that incident, none of them became Muslim. They, they refused and they rejected. It could be argued, we don't, I don't have evidence for this. It could be argued that this was a conspiracy by the Jews to have him embrace Islam and then 
later on, you know, ha have his influence on, on the Muslim faith and the lives of the companions. I don't, I don't have proof for that. So his beginning seems to be a good beginning, at least until the Prophet was alive. But then later, it seems that he did not have the success to support the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. So Abdullah ibn Salam was one of those people who embraced the religion of Islam. Another Jewish scholar, now this time he died on the right path. Another Jewish scholar and chief rabbi who came from Bani Qaynaqa and he was a very well respected figure was a person by the name of Al-Mukhayriq. Al-Mukhayriq. He was a big scholar in the city of Medina and you know, he was at a high rank, he was also a very wealthy person. He had a lot of wealth, property in and around Medina. Al-Mukhayriq, he starts to study and examine the attributes and characteristics and descriptions of the Prophet And then he refers back to the Torah. And he finds that all those qualities that are mentioned in the Jewish holy scriptures are perfectly applicable to the Prophet. And he was really confused for some time. So one day he goes to his people, the Jewish community, and he tells them, look, let's just be objective here. All these descriptions that we have discussed before, and you know them by heart, don't you find them applicable to this man? Why don't we follow Muhammad? And if we believe in him, we don't have to give up our faith in Musa. We don't have to give up our faith in the Bible because the Quran confirms the original Bible and it's a continuation of the Bible. So we believe in both scriptures. We believe in the Torah as a holy book and in the Quran as a holy book. He gives them this idea. Banu Qaynaqa said no. We will not recognize that and we will not believe in him. When he saw that they did not positively respond to his call, he did not become Muslim. He's like, you know what, let me just then give it some more time. He didn't have the courage. You know, sometimes when you're the only person converting from your entire tribe, it's very difficult. There are no supporters, no one coming to support you. So the Prophet so the Prophet he goes on with his activities. Al-Mukhayriq is just observing, he's still confused what to do until the day of Uhud comes. Uhud was the second major battle in Islam when the Mushrikeen mobilized forces, they arrived around the city of Medina. The day of Uhud fell on a Saturday. The day of the battle Uhud fell on a Saturday. Al-Mukhayriq on that day when he studied the logistics of the battle and what was happening, he developed yaqeen and certainty that this guy must be that prophet. He saw the evidence very clear. So he quickly ran to his people. He told them, look, even the logistics of this battle has been mentioned in our books. Stop being blinded by the truth. The prophet is now being attacked by these pagans, let's go and defend him. You know he's the prophet sent by God and you know Allah in the end will give him victory. Stop your evil ways, let's go. What is the excuse that they gave him? They told him, today is, is our Sabbath, it's a Saturday. 
He told them, you know, a, a very derogatory term, meaning you shall not have a Sabbath. To hell with your Sabbath, you know, as they say. What are you talking about? This is the Prophet of God. He's being attacked and you are signing the Sabbath? He takes up his arms, his weapons. He goes into the battlefield and with so much courage, with so much valor, he defends the Prophet Now before he goes to the battlefield, he writes in his will that if I get killed, if I die in this battle, I want all of my money, and he was a very wealthy man, all of my properties to go to Muhammad. This is the wasiyah that he makes. So he goes to the battle of Uhud. In the battle of Uhud, he becomes a shaheed. Minutes before he declares his Islam, he meets the Prophet. He tells him, you're the Prophet. I declare that you are the Prophet of Allah. I believe in you and your message. Allow me to defend you. The Prophet grants him permission. He fights like a warrior in the battlefield. And Mukhayriq, the Jewish scholar and rabbi, he becomes a shaheed in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then they bring the wealth because he wrote that in his will. So his family brings the wealth and they tell him, Muhammad, take it. You know, he made a public will and we cannot deny you that, so take the money. The Prophet uh, when he was given that money, he gives all of it as a gift to Lady Fatima The Prophet gives that to Fatima al-Zahra There were seven farms and gardens and also, what's that? Why did the Prophet give it to Lady Fatima? First of all, that's a way to honor Lady Fatima salam. She was, you know, his, his special daughter. The Prophet wanted to honor her. And he knew that she would spend it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, my analysis is that the Prophet wanted to set a precedent that he gives gifts to his daughter, Lady Fatima. Because later, the Prophet gives fedak to Fatima. And then they try to deny that from Lady Fatima. And she tells them initially that this is a nihla, this is a gift that my father gave me. They said no, the Prophet would not give gifts. They, wa they wanted to deny that, where's your evidence? So it seems the Prophet wanted to show the companions that no, when I get something special, I give it to who? To my daughter Fatima So it could be that the Prophet wanted to strengthen the case of the land of Fadak, it's possible. No, this money was not from the Amfad, this was personal gift because he wrote in his will that I want my money to go to this man. So this was a gift to the Prophet, it was not from you know the Muslim treasury or the Amfad that belongs you know to the Prophet and the Muslims, no. This was a special gift to the Prophet 